0: Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello everybody, Bridget McGowan here, and you are listening to Own the Microphone. Today I have with me, Marcy Newman. Marcy, Welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you, Bridget. I'm so happy to be here with you today, and I cannot wait to dive into some really important topics and really start to bring some enlightenment to our audience so that they can start to live life in the way that they're meant to.
0: Well, let's not waste any time. You're a dynamic speaker, hands down, without a doubt, Marcy, and I know you bring passion and energy, excitement to the stage. I want you to tell me about one of your favorite presentations or your favorite presentation topic. Why is it your favorite? What is it that you do that just makes it come alive?
1: First off, I love the question. Thanks so much. It's awesome. It's a great way to start our conversation off. Um, But secondly, I have to say that I can't really recall one particular presentation that I've made. However, anytime that you get me talking about self-love, I am just going to be here from now until forever because I never run out, number one, of ways to talk about it and use life as examples as to how it actually plays out in our very personal journey. Um, However, self-love also is, is so incredibly important to every aspect of life. So regardless of the audience that I'm speaking to, we have an opportunity to completely live from a different place. And of course, um, really mold that experience to what we want it to be. Because self-love is all about living from the heart rather than the head.
0: Ooh, Now, why do we oftentimes live from the head more so than from the heart? How does that happen?
1: Another good question. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let's dive in. So first off, um, that happens because we've been programmed to do so. It's not our fault. I don't want anyone in our audience to think that they are less than or unworthy of self-love because of that. We are programmed from the very first moment, I think, that we take our first breath to start to appease others. All right. When we're first born, we have to suddenly take a breath on our own. It means it's for the first time there's been a demand from the outside that we are responding to. As that unfolds throughout all of our years and all of our, our experiences, We are constantly being bombarded through our culturalization, through our families, our religions, our societies about expectations and how those expectations are then um, supposed to be manifested in roles that we take on. So we start to live a split life. Here we have this incredible heart center that is... It's the manifestation of us as a soul and in our ears is constant jabbering right, from um, all these other outside sources. Now, what happens is that develops um, at a very early age into an aspect of the ego that is very fearful. Now, what we know is that the loudest voice is what creates a belief. So you have this very loud voice that's very adept in creating smokescreens and diversions and all of this, trying to prevent you from moving forward, like really being full on in your life and your expression of who you are. It's so fearful of you moving forward. So it believes that it has to protect you from doing that. So it is so masterful that it's become insidious but it also has developed this way of controlling our brain through the fear. And I'm gonna back up and say our mind rather than our brain. So it controls our mind through fear, but it also plays on the way the brain has been hardwired. So the brain, as you know, has two sides. The left side we know is a very linear side. It's a side where we think sequentially, right? The right side is our creative side. The creative side has a direct route to our heart. So our heart is constantly bringing forward information that's all about creativity. It's about being the creative force in your life. And your brain, that is 97% controlled by your ego or the fear that it has about you being creative, is jabbering and trying to persuade you not to follow your heart. And so what it does also is it relies on our societies, our cultures, our religions, media, right? All of these influences to collaborate with it and say, see, see, you're not enough. You can't do that. Oh no, don't even think about coming out from behind the couch. Oh no. Don't think about getting too large. You have to stay shrunken down. And the ego is constantly delivering these messages. So the heart speaks in whispers. It just is soft and it just whispers. And it says, follow me, follow me. You wanna be happy? follow me. The ego says, don't you dare be happy. We can't trust being happy. You know what happened the last time you were happy. (laughs) So we're constantly in this state of confusion. And we start really to take on this belief system that we are not successful until we have achieved every expectation that every other person or influence has on us. Well, that is you know, in direct conflict, what the heart is saying, because the heart knows you as the magnificent soul that you are, and what you're doing here, and why you're here, and how you're meant to be. And, of course, your soul's mission, what you're meant to really be expressing here. So that's what happens. Long answer for a shorter question, but you can (laughs) see why it's so important that we dive into this. Well, big things
0: come in small packages, small question, (laughs) big answer. If you're a woman who wants to know the secrets to having happiness, love, success, and being comfortable with who you are in this world, then you will want to hear what Marcy Newman, known as the heart shift coach, has to say about self-love. You've already heard quite a bit from her and there's so much more she has to give. Marcy is a professional energy healer, integrative intuitive counselor, spiritualist minister, certified hypnotherapist, and Reiki master with over 45 years of experience helping people identify their spiritual blocks and shifting energy for changes that actually work. She shows you how to build a lasting self-love lifestyle at the highest vibration. Now, when you do your presentations on self On how do you live this life where you are happy, you are loved, you are, when you make these presentations, how do you get past any self-doubt? How do you get past any imposter syndrome? Or do either of those ever even creep in for you, Marcy?
1: At this point, I have to say no. Mm -hmm. They don't. Has that always been the case? Are you kidding? (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm just like every other person here, you know, who's listening to this conversation. I have been on a journey just as you are on a journey. I have had incredible experiences that have given me opportunities to bridge those gaps between where my heart wants to lead me and my head wants to, you know, dissuade me. So I'm here because I have developed the courage to follow my heart. I often say self-love is not for the faint of heart. It's not for the weak of heart. It requires a 24-7 conscious awareness about, number one, your thoughts you know, your beliefs, what are they actually creating in terms of experiences, because that's how if we can go into energy a little bit, and it's how the universe responds, the universe doesn't respond with like a lightning bolt, the universe responds by creating an experience based on the energy that you have offered to it. So it's in a partnership. It's a giving and receiving, and we are constantly in motion with that. So for myself, you know, I have had very specific, pivotal moments where I needed to make a choice. And I, of course, like anyone else, had a choice to make between either my ego or my heart. And thank you, God, (laughs) you know, I was brought to these moments of such like stillness where i realized that i really didn't have a choice i had to start to really follow my spirit follow my heart and one of those if you don't mind me sharing i had this personal epiphany and it happened at a time where i'm going to tell you the truth i was on top of the on top of the world and we were out in Montana at a family wedding, and um, i had always had a really strong affinity to the Native American. And this is conversation for another time, but I had actually had a, um, like a past life experience when I was a child where I, I saw myself in that um, environment, but I'd always had this strong connection. And so we're there at this family celebration. It was a wedding. We were also there celebrating um, our 25th wedding anniversary. And so there was so much fun and, 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 you know, and excitement and celebration. And I was at this party and I looked out into the backyard and here is an authentic teepee. Well, I couldn't contain myself. So I sneak out of the party, right? And I go into the backyard and I go into the teepee. And I'm inside, and I pull back the ceiling flaps, and literally it's like I start to have this cosmic experience. It's like the night sky starts to fill it. And I decided to lay down on the rugs, and I was thinking about this incredible life that I have lived and how idyllic it was. And I started to just make this very lengthy gratitude list felt like it would go on forever and ever. When all of a sudden, like a ticker tape across my mind's eye, it says, how much longer do I have to do this, Lord? Well, you can imagine. I bolted upright. I broke out into a sweat And I jumped out of the teepee and I vomited in the bushes. In that moment, I remember having this sense of like dread rip through me. But also, I remember feeling such guilt and shame, Bridget. I was so afraid that someone would be able to read my mind. Where had that thought come from? How could I be so ungrateful? How could I think that I deserve to be living something more when I already had everything? Like, who the hell was I? (laughs) You know, like, I had no idea who I was in that moment. And I could just feel like all of these, I'm just going to say it, it was like these facades just started to melt away. And I could feel this part of myself that I had been that I had been really trying to separate myself from, trying to deny that it existed. Well, it was a very tough weekend to get through. I'm not going to lie to you. And I remember going back to New York, which is where I was living at the time. And I tried to sweep it under the rug in the way that I had many, many years before that, but it wouldn't allow it. It was like, My spirit was just having its way with me. I couldn't deny it. And so I started to reach out for help. And I found this incredible um, therapist who worked with women in transition. I knew I was clearly in transition. I had so much brewing, so much bubbling up. Well, I'll tell you what, Bridget, what came up and before not very long was that I was really very unhappy in my marriage. And I was unhappy in my life. Not that I didn't love being a wife in many ways. And I even loved my husband in many ways. I loved being a mother. I loved so many parts of my life. But it wasn't the only way that I was meant to be in the world. And where I was in that world, there was no place for me to be who I was meant to be. And what started to happen was all of those parts of me that I thought I could just put band-aids on and placate those little voices and they would stay nice and quiet. Boom. They just started coming forward. And I'm going to tell you within a year, I was telling my husband, I wanted a divorce and to make a long story short, I walked away from nearly everything that had defined me for almost 30 years, my home my marriage, my job, my community, my friends, and some of my family. Because what really came to the surface of me was me. And all of those most important parts of me that I thought were so unacceptable, so um, not cool, (laughs) so, (laughs) you know, What somebody else is, but not me, those parts of me that I denied for so long, they were there and God, they were bold and they were beautiful and I have never looked back and I have learned at this point to allow my spirit to be in charge rather than all of those other voices, but I'm going to say it's still a 24-7 job. But I've gotten so good, my my ability to read my own energy and to understand when a thought comes forward, I have to ask, okay, what's the trajectory of that? What does it have the potential to create? Is that something I'm going to want to experience? And if it isn't, bam, on a dime, I pivot and I say, okay. What does have the ability to create what I want to experience? And what's more, what is going to support my spirit to continually come forward? You know, there was a time, and this was while I was married, I wouldn't even let someone take a photograph of me. And here I am, my whole life is on video. My, you know, all my teachings, my, especially now, right, since COVID, forget it. Yeah, okay, my hair's not done, I don't have makeup on, I have this, doesn't matter. My message is so important. My mission is so necessary and so important for the world to hear. I'm willing to take me as I am in order to get there.
0: Mm. Well, it sounds like you have been on quite the journey to get past the (laughs) self-doubt. to get past the imposter syndrome, to ensure it does not show up in your presentations. And I'm going to offer up this for the listeners to get past the imposter syndrome and the worry and the doubt. Start looking at your presentations this way. Even if you know only 10% of what there is to know about a topic on which you are presenting, for the most part, that is inextricably more than what your audience knows about that topic. That right there should make your chest stick out at least an inch. Even if you know only 10% of what there is to know of the body of knowledge that contributes to this topic, you know infinitely more than your audience knows about it. View yourself as the expert on those three to five points that you are going to cover in that presentation and maintain this mindset before during your presentation and even afterwards, doing so is going to build you up. It will help lessen or help reduce anxiety and reduce those worries about judgment and not have you feeling like something of an imposter, especially when you've made it clear at the start of your presentation that this is precisely what I'm going to cover when it comes to this particular topic. Uh, and, and you can, of course, go on a journey like Marcy, where you really sit down and think about who you are, the the power that you have, and the, the value that you bring to the world. What do you think, Marcy?
1: I love everything that you have said, Bridget. And if I could add that place of 10% knowingness is such a powerful place because you have 90% of space being able to actually ask, well, what if? Or to say, I don't know. The moment we say that, the universe responds and says, oh, take a look at this, take a look at that or it brings people into our lives. You'll have people in your audience raising their hands and asking questions that they wouldn't have given themselves permission to ask because you have so humbly said, I don't know. When that happens, you are in your heart space. But you're also giving yourself permission to continue to expand and to start to come from a completely different place. Because in every situation, we have to remember we're given two opportunities. We can continue to let the ego control how we're going to give a presentation and stay in that very linear uh, place where it's filled with judgments, filled with conditions, filled with confusion, um, filled with fear, filled with competition or FOMO, right? that's what is promised to you when you're in that very linear space of giving a presentation, as opposed to feeling the energy of your audience and knowing that you're there, what they actually want from you is true inspiration, which can only come from your heart. It doesn't come from what you have on those cards. It comes from your heart. The more that you can share from that space, the more you're giving permission to other people to live in that space, to be inspired by you, to become more expansive and purposeful. That's very different from, you know, being in this space of believing that you need to know it all. Be in the space of the heart that sort of wonders at it all. It says, oh my God, you know, approaching life with awe and gratitude for every opportunity. Gratitude that we actually have this choice and how phenomenal that is. I mean, think about the brilliance of that. And you'll also start to recognize this heart shift in yourself. When you start to really entrust your well-being with the center of your being, your heart, what's going to happen is everything that you ever wanted to experience is going to be there. And I'm talking, you want to experience being confident in front of a microphone? You want to experience being sought out, sought after? Do you want to experience feeling a connection to yourself? To the world you always
0: have a choice i mean you said it perfectly you said you you are given two opportunities and then you started giving us these different roads that we can we can go down in a little bit i'm going to uh, have you ask me a question marcy but i want to continue down this road of the opportunities in one of my books entitled show up and show out. I talk a little bit about these two opportunities that you get. I talk about uh, in, in one section, if you sound and look like you are exasperated or bored, if you dress like you don't care, if you give off an energy that suggests you don't want to be present, that just hurts everybody's vibe. You have a choice to do something different. Avoid losing yourself or sounding like somebody who is not you. But recognize that you must fully personify yourself. And when you interact with others, give them your absolute best, give them the very best version of yourself. You can be a bum in pajamas in the privacy of your home. But when you go out, when you have to be in front of someone, when you have to be on the microphone, you give them your very best. You always have two opportunities and two choices to make. If you're going to put, put, If you're going to put forth the energy to be out among others, then put forth the energy to be the very best version of yourself. Always, always ask yourself, how do I want to be remembered? The options are to be regarded as someone who is common and unexceptional or confident and unshakable. You always have choices, (laughs) always. So you have to decide what is going to be the ultimate outcome the ultimate result, uh, the ultimate impact as a result, I should say, of the choice that I make. Marcy,
1: what's your question for me? Ah, came right up. Bridget, I would love to know, um, I would love to know the most powerful belief that you had to let go of in order to be where you are doing what you're doing?
0: I had to let go of Marcy worrying about satisfying others or being the image or the persona that I thought I was expected to be by others. So when I used to work for an educational technology company, I was a member of a team that traveled the country. We each had our own territory, but it got to the point where although I lived out West, it was nothing for me to be in New York City the day before Thanksgiving doing a workshop at a college, right? And although one of my colleagues, Robert, lived in Connecticut, it was nothing strange for him to be out in Colorado with me doing a workshop. So eventually we were all over the country, every last one of us. But in doing those presentations and workshops and webinars and such, I was always very careful. And very cognizant of the fact that I was not just representing myself, which had a lot of pressure along with it in those workshops and sessions, but I was always mindful of the fact that I represented a company, uh, Mm -hmm. my employer, and that always came first in almost everything I would say in my presentations, period, in my Monday through Friday, nine to five life. I was always speaking first as an employee and second, if ever, as Bridget. And that's what people saw in presentations. It was Bridget the employee speaking, not so much Bridget the person speaking. And I would sometimes allow myself to speak, but that was the biggest hurdle I guess you could say I had to overcome or biggest belief I had to let go of was that it's okay to not say what I think not say what's on my mind but uh or not give you a piece of my mind right (laughs) but actually present like me and you know don't get me wrong I delivered presentations in a very effective manner and you got a flavor of my personality if you will, but there was still a, a guardedness I had where I was careful with every step and every word and every move because I did not just represent me, but uh, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five or on a plane or on a campus, I was primarily first and foremost representing that company and uh, once leaving that company it still took some time to shake that and to not show up in these presentations sounding like this button down corporate put together I am here and this is what I will do right it still took some time even now it, it it's it, you know it's uh it's a little scary and yeah, it, that's been tough. I, I still work with that. I still, I'm, I'm still working on that. Marcy, that was a great question.
1: <laughs> well, what came to mind as you were speaking is that it's the perfect example of what I call um, the perfect storm. The storm is that, you know, it's all this churning energy, right? And when you start to realize in that churning energy that there's a part of you that's being stifled It becomes the perfect storm for you to evolve as you, and it's then a whole succession of choices that are offered to you until you finally choose yourself. You see, one of the things that was happening, if I can just sort of tune in there energetically, oh, and I've got God bumps as I'm speaking, is that what happened when you were working so hard to represent the company and you felt you had to stifle parts of yourself in order to um, conform and comply, you were reaching for this um, aspect of perfectionism that is absolutely impossible. You could not ever achieve that because the ego wouldn't allow you to. It's what it works on and it relies on in order to keep you from becoming you remembering like who you really are and all of your greatness. And what happens energetically is that it erodes your relationship with yourself so that the more that you're out there in front of these audiences and you feel driven, right? To have to be this perfect representation of the company or the organization and you find that you are stifling more and more and more of your voice, your heart, your exuberance, your light, your spirit is not going to stand for that. Unless you do what I did for a lot of years, and you get very masterful at sweeping it under the rug or quieting it down. But there comes this reckoning point. And I know some people, you know, talk about this dark night of the soul I believe Bridget that you know when that's necessary each of us experiences it but it's not to punish us or hurt us or diminish us it's to give us an open path it's to make it so clear that there's a part of us the most important part of us that's been waiting to be expressed because the world is waiting for it You're here in front of your microphone doing what you're doing because the world was waiting for you. I am covered with God bumps. I I call these, these are not goosebumps or God bumps. They start from the inside and move out. And it's when I am like in this place of such light and truth. Imagine if you weren't being you right now. Imagine all the people would have been your audience who are waiting to be touched by you imagine all the women who would not be in their places of standing in their own light their courage their strength if you were not here in front of your microphone if you hadn't written your books if you weren't living your life as an example of what the heart is capable of Imagine being still in those rooms on that hamster wheel, working harder and harder and harder to create that persona of the perfect employee, the perfect presenter in that competitive role instead of being where you are now, collaborating Collaborating with other people as your guests, bringing messages of importance, really creating change. And I'm not diminishing the the value of that in a a classroom, in a corporate classroom. God bless them, right? They're, they're, They're serving a purpose. But for those who are ready for these messages, Bridget, sorry, doesn't even come close to what they need, but you do every time you're here. Every time you step into who you really are, you're blessing the entire world. But that world is made up of individuals who need exactly what you have to say in that moment. And so we must never like just brush away the importance of of a moment and an opportunity to speak and to share. Because we are in this world together and every step that we take to move out of the competitive zone and into collaboration, we get closer and closer to our true selves. Competition is for those who need to compete. Collaboration is for those who recognize I'm incomplete without you. Wow. Marcy Newman,
0: oh my goodness, this has been more than a conversation about presentation skills. I'll tell you that. You've given me and the listeners much to think about. I have a couple of takeaways for myself. One, self-love is important to every aspect of life. The loudest voice That internal voice is the one that creates the belief by which you live. You are given to opportunities. The world is waiting for you. I could go on and on, but those are a few of my takeaways. I've got some homework to do. I don't know about everybody out there in podcast land, but I have some work to do. And I am thankful to you for this conversation today
1: thank you so much. And I'm so grateful to you and so grateful for the opportunity to have this conversation. Um, You're right. You know, there are lots of times where we don't, we don't go into the real depths of our being and, and we stay in a superficial place. And that's great for those moments. But there are other moments where our souls reach out and say, You know, and I need a little soul food. I need to be fed in this way today. And today is the day for those who are listening to this podcast.
0: And I want listeners to think about that when it comes to presentations and thinking Mm -hmm. about how they are feeding the souls of the audience members. Right. It's not just imparting some numbers and some spreadsheets and some data points, but it is about feeding into them and filling in gaps and uplifting them and putting them in different places than they were before they entered into that room. And I know you may think to yourself, some of the topics on which you present are corporate corporate, uh, agenda items that don't necessarily feel like there's any soul to them. And I say... And I'm saying this as much to you as I am to my former self when I was working at that company. I say, find the soul in that content right find some kind of way to infuse whether it was a personal experience from that morning whether it was an epiphany that you had as you were driving to work if it was something that just jumped out at you from the research whatever find some kind of way to say i am going to offer up a teachable moment Period. Every single presentation I make, I don't care if it is just a bunch of charts and graphs (laughs) and scattergrams. I am going to make it my mission that every single time I make a presentation, the audience is not able to walk away without having a teachable moment with me. And it's okay. If it veers a little bit off topic. It's okay if it ends up being an anecdote at the end of your presentation or an anecdote at the beginning of the presentation where you tell people, you know, this has absolutely nothing to do with our agenda items for this meeting, but this was on my heart and I've got to tell you this. This came to me in this very moment when when Chris said X, when Tammy said Y, and I have to share this with you because I think this could be, this could be what somebody needs to hear right now this could be something that just makes all of the difference for somebody's day everything doesn't always have to be corporate straight laced buttoned up suited and booted (laughs) right you can speak to people from a different place that uh, just fills the soul so that's yeah that's that's two more cents from me from what I got yeah. from our conversation, Marcy, as it relates to presentations,
1: yeah and so powerful when we realize, just as you said, Bridget, you know no matter what you're presenting, you have opportunities to share your heart, share what's in your soul, remember that you're in service, even as you're standing in front of the chart, you're in service, there is someone in your audience who really needs to get what's on that chart. It's going to enhance their whole life in some way, whether it's you know how it helps them to do their job better or even maybe as a point of inspiration. Maybe it sparks creativity in them and all of a sudden there's a brand new system that's been created or a new software or this or that. That's how creation happens. It happens at a point of inspiration. And it can happen anytime, anywhere. We've all experienced it. And we can take anything that appears to be mundane and put our heart into it. And all of a sudden, it becomes a magical moment. It becomes a moment
0: have it. of expansion. There you have it. There you have it, everybody. Marcy Newman, thank you for being on the show. You're quite the inspiration.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Bridget. It's been my joy and my honor. And I really am so very grateful from the bottom of my heart and outwards
0: likewise likewise everybody thank you for tuning into this episode i trust you walked away feeling renewed feeling inspired if you are not i tell you rewind the tape and play it again (laughs) all right this is bridget mcgowan until next time make sure you always own the microphone